0: It would be easy for me to take quite a bit of time and talk about the different relationships that I've had with so many of you down through the years, but suffice it to say that I'm just thankful that each one of you is here. I appreciate the preachers that are here tonight. Brother Cole was mentioned, I have a meeting with him at Montrose the third Sunday of October, Brother Doyle Wilmoth is here tonight. I have a meeting with him at Shiloh in the edge of Jackson County, not too far from here, the last Sunday in August. That's the next time that I'm in this general area. You have honored me and helped me and encouraged me so much by visiting in the different meetings that we have, and I appreciate that very much. Especially for our young people, I want you to think about the following little story because when you start trying to cover up mistakes, you can get in trouble. A fellow was called at work by his wife and she said, On your way home today, would you stop by the co-op and get me a dozen turkey eggs? I want to set them under the hen and raise some turkeys. He got almost home and he had forgotten it. And about that time he looked up and he saw a buzzard flying across and landed in a nest. And so he went over and looked in that nest and there were three buzzard eggs. He thought they're just about the same size as turkey eggs, so he took them, took them home, told his wife, said, they didn't have but three turkey eggs, so I bought them. Didn't say anything else about it, and then the next night he decided to check and he said, how are your turkey eggs? She said, oh, I forgot to tell you. Since there was only three, I just cooked them for your breakfast this morning. (laughs) When you start trying to cover up things, that's about the way it happens. I dedicate this next one to the preachers, and I thought of it. Some of you have heard me tell this one, but I thought of it last night when Roger was talking to me about hunting. Three three fellows went out hunting deer, and a big buck jumped across the meadow, and ran across, and they all three shot at the same time, and the buck dropped. They said, how are we going to tell who killed him? About that time, the game warden came by and checked their license, and they told him their dilemma. They said, we all three shot at the same time. We don't know who killed the deer. Would you check and see if you can help us? He went down and looked, turned around, and he said, is one of you fellows a preacher? I said, yes. He said, preacher, you killed the deer. They said, how do you know? He said, the bullet went in one ear and out the other. I don't believe that uh, God's word is going in one ear and out the other. I hope it goes in both ears and out into your life. That's the goal that we have. We've been talking about love all week. Sunday morning, the greatest thing in the world is love, and then Missouri love or show me love. Sunday night, reasons to love and levels of love. Last night, when love becomes sin and the chain of love. And tomorrow night, the first lesson will be brotherly love, and the last lesson in the meeting will be don't stop loving me. Tonight in our first lesson, we're talking about tough love. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verses 6 through 9, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons, for what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have fathers in the flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? Those of you that are very young in the audience tonight do not like to get a shot from the nurse or the doctor. And there have been times when a youngster has looked up at his dad or mother and said, you don't love me or you wouldn't let them give me that needle. But it's because of love that mother took the baby to get the shot anyway. 180-pound, six-year-old, was shown on television a few days ago. And the mother said, I just can't tell him not to eat anything because I love him too much and I want him to have what he wants. And what she thinks is love may be putting some nails in his coffin. He needs tough love. Sometimes when you as teenagers come to dad or mother and ask to go somewhere or to do something where there may be something that's involved that's questionable, and dad says no, you probably say or at least think, if you really loved me, you would let me go. But it may be it's because he really loves you that he doesn't let you go, a child that's just able to walk reaches out to touch the hot stove and mom or dad slaps the back of his hand and he may turn around and with the stare say, you don't love me or you wouldn't do that, but it's because they love him that they do that. If my oldest daughter were to ask tomorrow for me to buy her a meal of shrimp and I refused, She would not say to me, I did that because I didn't, uh, that I didn't give her the shrimp because I didn't love her, but she would know that I didn't give it to her because I do love her. If she were to eat one, she probably would die, unless she was at the hospital to receive the antidote. Not long ago, I read of a situation where a man was walking down the sidewalk, and all of a sudden... He made a dive and knocked a two-year-old little boy over on the other side of the road and injured the little boy slightly, but saved his life because he knocked him out in front of a car. Was that even hurting that child, love? Certainly on that occasion it was. When we tell an erring brother that we're concerned about the kind of life that he's living, does that mean we don't love him? When we tell some of our brethren whom we believe to be involved in teaching error and wrong in doctrine, does that mean that because we disagree and even go to them, although the going to them ought to be in love and kindness, I understand that, but does that mean because we tell them we think we're wrong, they're wrong that we don't love them? If your neighbor has not obeyed the gospel according to the word of God, and you point that out to him, does that mean that you don't love him? Folks, there are times when we need tough love. One of the areas where we especially need tough love today is in the area of the family. I am greatly concerned about the lack of discipline on the part of parents. Now let me point out that I am just as concerned with the abuse that's taking place toward children. There is no place for abuse, and there is no place for punishment when that punishment is to appease the anger of the parents instead of correct the problem of the child. We've almost come to the point now to where there is no physical discipline at all in the rearing of children. Judy especially likes to watch these programs on television that are called Super Nanny. I don't like to watch them because at least halfway through the program all you hear is children screaming and crying and fighting, and I had all of that I wanted when our four were growing up. But as I've watched some of those, I've been impressed with the fact that it seems that the only thing that's used is time out, and sometimes time out will work, and if it is used in the right way long enough, perhaps it will have its effect. But listen to the book of Proverbs for just a moment, written by a very wise man guided by the Spirit of God. Proverbs 3.12, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. He correcteth. Over to the 13th chapter, verse 24. Listen to what he says in that passage. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. He that loveth him will discipline him. In the 19th chapter, in verse 18, the wise man continues, Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Maybe there are times, he's suggesting here, when there needs to be some crying produced. 22nd chapter, verse 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. 23rd chapter. 13 and 14. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. That needs to be put in proper context. But here's what it means. Thou shalt beat him or punish him with the rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. Wise man seems to have thought that there needed to be some discipline, that there needed to be some tough love. And then in the... Other chapters on down, especially the 27th chapter, verse 5, open rebuke is better than secret love. Open rebuke is better than secret love. The 29th chapter, verse 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Two verses later, correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight to your soul. You sort of get the idea that Solomon thought as he was guided by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that there needed to be some tough love. Ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath lest they be discouraged, Colossians three or to anger, lest they be discouraged, Colossians three twenty one, and provoke them not to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I think it's apparent that that word admonition there means encouragement, talking to them. But the word nurture there is from the same root word that's translated there in that passage we read in Hebrews 12 as chastisement. Bring them up with the proper balance. Sometimes you can talk. Sometimes you have to get the attention. There has to be the proper balance, and parents are admonished to do that. We need to do it to where we do not provoke them to anger. We need to do it with the right attitude. But folks, we need parents today who will practice tough love. Some parents are saying, oh, if I make my children do things when they grow up, they'll go in the wrong direction. I don't believe that. I've heard some adults occasionally say, I don't go to church today because my mother and dad made me go when I was young. I am rather hesitant to call anybody a liar, but I don't believe that. And I think I can prove it. We had four little ones that were close together, four years and four months between our oldest and youngest. Judy had them in the pew by herself, mothers. I was in the pulpit. And I think she only took them all out twice. They didn't want to go again. But on another subject to prove my point, during those years when they were small, I saw Judy several times take one of them, put put that child under her arm, take a spoon and force food into the mouth, and they ate. She made them eat. And not a one of them quit eating. In fact, not a one of them is at the point today that they don't really love eating. The fact that she made them eat didn't cause them not to eat. If they don't eat today, it'll be for some other reason. And if they don't go to Bible study in church today, it'll be for some other reason too. We need parents who will practice tough love. Folks, we need tough love in the church. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Hebrews 12, 6 that we found a few minutes ago. In Revelation 3, 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten as Jesus through John was addressing the seven churches of Asia. And I want you to remember that he's talking to seven churches that were being persecuted, who were hurting. And he was writing this letter to encourage them to stick with the Lord and they would overcome eventually. I think that's the key to the book of Revelation. But I want you to listen to what he said to some of them in that setting. He said in Revelation 2.14 to Ephesus, I have something against you. You mean, Jesus, you're going to tell people you have something against them when they're hurting and being persecuted so badly? A little bit later in the 14th verse to the church at Pergamos he said you're putting up with the doctrine of Balaam. Verse later you're putting up with the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. He pointed out to them their problems. To Thyatira a little bit later he said in verse 20 of that chapter you you are putting up with Jezebel. You're condoning what Jezebel is doing. Whether there was a woman there named Jezebel or he was referring to the Old Testament name and tying it to what they were doing, it doesn't change the point. He says you're putting up with some immorality and that's not right. Jesus, you mean you're going to criticize these people that are hurting so much? A little later, he said to the church at Sardis in 3.1, you're dead. Call them dead? And in the 16th verse with Laodicea, which in my opinion is the one of the seven churches that comes more nearly being like most of the churches I know today. He said, you're lukewarm. And I will spew thee out of my mouth. He said, you make me sick to my stomach. He was pretty tough on them. At the same time that he was telling them, Hold on to me, he that overcometh will win. And eventually down toward the end of the book of Revelation shows how the beast and the false prophet and even the dragon himself, the devil, would be overcome and the church would come to the forefront at a time when he is writing to give them hope. And that's what the book of Revelation is about. He has tough love toward them and the things that they needed to change. In that book, he says, repent. In the second chapter, verse 5, 16, 21, and 22. In the third chapter, verse 3 and verse 19, as he's talking to the seven churches. John the Baptist came preaching about the coming Savior. What was his message? Repent. That's tough love. Message of Jesus was repent. The message of Peter on Pentecost when he asked what to do, what did he say? Repent. And be baptized. Folks, we need some tough love in the church. We need to learn to use church discipline. It was used in the Bible times. I think it has been misused and abused in some instances. We don't have to go so far that we even get into the courts of the land, but we need to come back to discipline in the church. And the elders have a responsibility to discipline the members, not to hurt them, but to help them. That's what 1 Corinthians 5 was about. He said, you're letting this immorality go on, and a little leaven's going to leaven the whole lump. You need to purge out this leaven. And if you'll study that context, and on end of 2 Corinthians, where it seems that something did happen to bring this man to his senses, you'll find the purposes involved to save the man's soul and to keep the church pure and to have the right impression in the community to those who look at what's happening. Discipline. Second Thessalonians three six, withdraw yourselves. And later on in verses 14 and 15 of that chapter, he shows why. He says, even to the one that you would withdraw from, you still admonish him as a brother. You're still interested in his soul. Somebody says, oh, if we do that, we'll drive him away from what? If he's not living right, he's already away. If he's violating the commandments of God, he's not in a position to be saved anyway. How are we going to hurt him? Can he be any loster? You won't find that word in the dictionary. If one's already lost, uh, can he be any in any worse shape? Are we just going to leave him there? Well I'm afraid I'll hurt his feelings. Let me tell you something, if you happen by my house tomorrow night and it's on fire, please don't say I'm afraid I'll hurt his feelings if I tell him. If you love me, what would you do? You'd try to get me out of that fire. You would use almost in fact you probably would drag me out if I put up some opposition. Resistance. And Jude says that may be the way we have to save some even today. Some with compassion and others as though we we were pulling them out of the fire is really the idea that he's saying there. We need some discipline in the church. We need some tough love. You don't really love me if you see me violating God's will and you don't care enough about me to try to teach me. Tough love in the church. Now I would hasten to add, it needs to be done with love and kindness. We've emphasized that throughout the entire meeting. Folks, we need some tough love. We need some tough love toward our friends in the community who are not New Testament Christians. You and I have a tendency to mingle with people on a daily basis and we know that they've not been Scripturally baptized into Christ for the remission of sins. They have not obeyed the gospel according to the plan as we understand it, and maybe say nothing about it. Oh, I'm afraid I'll offend them. Are we more concerned about offending somebody than we are saving that person? We need some tough love. We need to realize that we are helping people when we bring them out of error into the truth, when we bring them out of being lost to be saved. Back in Ezekiel 3, God said, I've made you a representative of me. You go out there and tell the people that they're lost. If you don't tell them, they'll still be lost, but you will too. But if you tell them and they don't listen to you, you've saved your soul. But then he sort of explains in all of that, in that chapter and others, the ultimate goal is to save them and save yourself. Galatians 6.1, If a man be overtaken in a fault, just forget him. Know ye that are spiritual, restore such a one. In the spirit of meekness, of course, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. In James 5.19-20, Brethren, if one of you do err from the truth, notice that's one of us errs from the truth, and one convert him, now, if he doesn't need converting, he wouldn't be lost. If he needs converting, he's lost. One conferred him, let him know that he that converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and hide a multitude of sin. We need to get this in proper focus. We need to realize what's involved and why we're concerned about tough love. We want to uphold the truth. Paul asked a question in Galatians 4.16. Am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? You remember these uh, advertisements and commercials on television? One had to do with dandruff. You may get mad at me, but you've got dandruff. I think that advertises head and shoulders. Then there was another one. I don't remember what it was for. Now you may get mad at me, but you've got bad breath. Sometimes we need to... Tell others in the right way when there is a problem. You see, I can't see myself the way you see me tonight. I don't see my faults as easily as you see them. And I hope I will never grow old enough to where I become angry at someone pointing out to me how I can improve. If it had not been for people down through the years telling me how I could improve, I might not be preaching tonight as I am here. I don't especially like criticism. I'd rather have compliments. But sometimes I need criticism. And I don't believe a person is doing me an injustice if he with the right attitude helps me to see my faults and to correct them. Sometimes we need tough love in our families, in the church, and in the community. You need to keep the attitude right. Tough love and practicing tough love doesn't give you the right to have a bad attitude or to be offensive in your method. The truth may offend and we can't change that. Don't be offensive with your method. We need to preach the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. We need to preach the truth. We need to stand for the truth. We need to practice tough love. Let's stand in sin.